And then every, anyone else is welcome to listen to me reading them backup stories to put them to sleep. <laughs> what do you think? I, no, I think that could be a new income stream. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> if, if it is, that's really sad. You could restore it all. Hi, and welcome to Backup Central's Restore It All podcast. I'm your host, W. Curtis Preston, a.k.a. Mr. Backup, and I have with me Mr. Restore. No, I can't call you that because someone else is called that. I'm going to, I have with me. To be honest, I don't think I have a nickname. Can, can we Sorry, call you because Mr. Hare? Mr. Hare. <laughs> Sorry, I don't have a backup related nickname, I should say. Yeah, Mr. Hare. We have, we have a few nicknames for you. Some of them are not safe for the airwaves. Exactly. <laughs> How are you doing, Curtis? I'm doing all right. I um. So a funny thing over here in the Preston land, something I'm going to do, which will be fodder for humor in the future. So my wife has been having trouble sleeping with everything that's going on. And so we've been experimenting with these like sleep sleep stories. Oh, sleep right. Story. So the best one that I like is is it's called Blue Gold by Stephen Fry. Do you know who Stephen Fry is? Stephen Fry is the comedian who, actor. Uh, yeah, he's he's the one who read the Harry Potter books for the British version mm-hmm. of the audiobook. Uh, he has an amazing voice, and he reads this story called Blue Gold, where he talks about the southern coast of France. And like I have never heard more than five minutes of this before thing, you pass I'm, out. I'm out. She says that she she finds these stories that the actual stories fascinating, and while the the voice is very soothing and whatnot, she forces herself to stay awake to to listen to it. Yeah, hear about these fields of lavender. And so I've come up with a solution. Are you ready? What are you ready? Huh. What I'm going to create audiobooks of my book. <laughs> I'm going to How read to people to sleep. Excerpts. Here's yes. backup. Yes. I'm going to read excerpts from backup and recovery. Today we're talking about tape drives. You know what? That's not a bad idea. I'm going to do that. And I'm going to make some YouTube videos of me reading excerpts from my book. And then she's going to play them. And then every, anyone else is welcome to listen to me reading them backup stories to put them to sleep. <laughs> What do you think? I no, I think that could be a new income stream. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> if if it is, that's really sad that that uh, my stories are so you know. No, but but I totally agree with your wife though. Like that's why I have difficulty if I watch something before I go to sleep, or if I read something that's very interesting before I go to sleep. Right. My mind is just constantly active, and I can't sleep. Right. I'm like, oh, what happens next? Even growing up, like I used to read books before going to bed. And sometimes I wouldn't go to bed until like 1 a.m. because I'd just be sitting there being like, oh, I need to know what happens next. I need to know what happens next. So when can we expect the first book reading? I literally, I think I might make the first video today. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to throw out something new that we haven't had on the podcast before. I would like you to do us a favor. If you enjoy this podcast, please rate this podcast at ratethispodcast.com slash restore. 
and you can uh, it'll guide you through how to uh, review us on whatever your favorite podcatcher happens to be. But speaking of reading, I was checking out uh, what I thought was an interesting article in IT Pro, uh, Nine Tips to Improve Your Disaster Recovery Strategy. As much time as I've spent you know, focusing on backup and recovery and disaster recovery, I'm always interested to see what other people think are important. And I thought this was a really good overview um, of the, you know, of various things that you should worry about. What do you think? Yep. No, no, no. Yeah, it's definitely a good read. And I think also, given the situation we're in these days with people not being in their data centers, it's probably even more critical to make sure, do you have a working solution? Right. Um, so So let's talk about the first one. So it talks about... By the way, sorry, just two things quickly. One is you might want to mention what day it is today, which is August 14th, just in case this gets played much later. It is August 14th, 2020. 2020. And then the second one is our usual disclaimer. Yes, well, feel free to give it. While Curtis and I do both work for Druva, this is not an official Druva podcast. The opinions are our own. Look at that. That's the first time. I'm so proud. So proud you gave me. Do you have a little time. tear? I do. I have a little tear that you you, you did our disclaimer all by yourself. Um, <laughs> so, you would hope yeah. so after 60 times or something listening to you do it that I would know. T- yeah. Yeah. It's a little sad. Um, so, yeah. So good. So let's talk about this first uh, thing, which is having full documentation. I could not agree more if, if you don't have, you know, we've had. I forgot. Who, oh, when Ben uh, was a guest host, his big thing beer was... Beer and backup? Beer and backup, yes. His big thing was if you haven't tested your backup, then you don't have a backup. I'm going to say if you haven't documented your recovery plan, you do not have a recovery plan. But wait, isn't it okay if it's just in my head? Yeah, it's no problem as long as you know you survive the disaster. <laughs> and I don't get hit by a bus on the way to work. Yeah, I, I, I think I've mentioned, you know, I, and I know I've mentioned this before that we used to test uh, disaster recovery at the bank where I initially learned backup. And we did it twice a year. And the, re- the requirement was that that I was not allowed to be involved in the test, that my documentation had to speak for itself and that someone, you know, a, a technical other person had to yep. be. A, yeah. Someone other than me had to be able to follow the documentation and do the recovery without me explaining what certain words meant. And were they ever successful? No, they were not. (laughs) But that was the whole point, right? It was to, to point out the weaknesses. There was always like, Oh yeah, well I got to do the thing with the thing. Right. Um, And, but that is so, so true is that um, the documentation needs to, to, to be available. It needs to be up to date. Um, And modern day, I would say it needs to be like, HTML, like it needs to be some kind of web page uh, to, to make it available during the during the outage. Well, one thing that they also talk about in this uh, article is the fact that you kind of want to make sure that people understand the roles and responsibilities, right? As well as getting executive sign-on. Because <clears throat> yes. I think that's also some of the problems is you might have a disaster recovery plan or someone might think, oh, there is a DR plan, but there is nothing. They don't understand what it entails or what they should expect. Right. They might say, hey, everything will just fail over and everything will be fine. But it's like, no, no, no. You might lose some data because not everything gets a zero RTO because that's insanely expensive. Right. This is what you get with the strategy. 
Yeah, it's funny. This is going to sound like a non sequitur, but it's not. There is a, a reality <laughs> you, show Curtis? that. <laughs> I guess I should preface everything that I say with this is going to sound like a non sequitur, but it's not. Um, the I, my wife and I watch a new reality show called Tough as Nails, and what it is is it's, um, normal everyday people, but they're sort of tough people and they take them to normal job sites and they give them and they tend to be like construction jobs or you know they're 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 tough type jobs right and then they they get they're given these tasks and they compete both individually and as teams and what is very clear now after having watched several episodes of this show which i think is a great show is that Knowing what your roles and responsibilities are is crucial to having a successful team <laughs> effort because, the, you know, there there is there, there are two teams on the show and the one team seems to always you know who the leader is and you know what you're supposed to do. And then there's this other team who's always, you know, it's a bunch of well-meaning people. But they're stepping on each other and, you know, doing stuff that the other person is doing. And and then the one person is in charge, but nobody's listening to them. Um, so I'm, I'm basically all of that was to sort of back up what you said, that it's really important <laughs> for you to know what your roles and responsibilities are. And by the way, it's a great show. Uh, tough as nails. I, I highly recommend it. So let's talk about number two, assess the risks. Uh, we talk about this a lot, I think, on uh, the show. Um, you you need to figure out what what might happen, right? Uh, you know, um, the what what are the things that could be damaged, right? It talks about having a full IT inventory and data audit. So you need to know what what is at risk. Uh, I think that's one of the biggest problems that we have with today's computing world, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah. Knowing, what, yeah, what you actually have, right? Because you don't right. necessarily know. And especially with the cloud coming up, right? People might just be like, hey, forget it. I'm not using my traditional IT in order to spin up my application. It's too cumbersome. The provisioning process takes too long. Dealing with procurement. I'm just going to go spin something up in the cloud. And then boom, now you forgot about it. Because it's yeah, not being the old tracked. shadow IT problem as well. Yeah. yeah. But, the um, but one of the interesting things that they also talk about in this assess the risk is also figuring out what the potential threats they face are. I think usually when people think about DR, they think about physical disasters. I lose a system. I lose a data center. Not necessarily things like, what about I get hit by ransomware or some of those other disasters as well? People do not spend enough time thinking about internal threats. Right. Internal threats and hacker external yeah, threats. Exactly. We talked about that on the last podcast where we talked about the, the Twitter hack. Yep. Um, I don't think that people worry about I, I honestly think that you should be much more worried about external hacks and internal hacks than you should be about a tornado or a flood. Not that those things don't ever happen, but I think it's more, the, the other stuff is more likely to happen. Well, I, I think another way of putting it is when you do your risk assessment, you could do a risk assessment for things you know could happen. Right. right? But I think, or that you can predict the scenario that it could happen, right? Like a tornado. Okay. When a tornado hits, I know maybe my data center will be gone or my network connectivity will be gone. 
right? But when you get hit with either internal or external actors, you don't really know what the damage is. And so I think it becomes more difficult to figure out how to assess that risk. Yeah. And then the next one they have here is Drill for Disaster, which is a weird title, but it, it just sounds like they're, they're talking about having regular fire drills, regular tests. Do you want to um, talk about any fire drills you used to do when you were in the Navy? Uh, <laughs> we, we always had fire drills, um, you know, and, and, you know, it's like in the Marines, I say every, every Marine, a rifleman, you, you've heard that phrase maybe. No, I haven't. Oh, well, anyway, yeah, it was one of the phrases in the Marine Corps is every, every Marine is a rifleman. Well, in the Navy, every sailor is a fireman, mm. right? Um, because when you're on the ship, there is no getting away from a fire, right? So we held regular fire training, uh, regular fire drills. Uh, we also held regular uh, uh, man overboard drills, which is another thing that, um, you know, you have to do when you're yeah, out yeah. to sea. Um, and which basically involved mustering, <clears throat> which is uh, roll call, right? Mm-hmm. You have a designated spot where you're supposed to go to to be um, uh, accounted, accounted. for. Yep. Right. Yeah. By the way, uh, for those of you that watch movies and you always hear the phrase uh, present and accounted for. Right. They'll say 100 men yep. present and accounted for that, that. That is incorrect. It is present or accounted for. Mm. Did you know that? So either. In other words, you are either here or there we or, know where you are. Gotcha. That makes sense. Right. Yeah. Um, one of the most common misquoted lines in movies mm-hmm. um, or miss. I don't know. Misquoted. It's not the right. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Darn it. Uh, yeah. So yes, regular file drills. We held those all the time, um, and the uh, we actually had to use a man overboard drill for real mm. once um, when I was on because we actually had a murder on the ship. Oh, crazy! Yeah, we had a sailor be beat to death because he won six thousand dollars in a poker game. And made everybody angry, and the result was they killed him and threw him overboard. So we um, we held a man overboard drill, and um, it was determined that he was overboard. Hmm. Um, so uh, yeah, so that well, that got dark real soon. <laughs> I was going to say, but, but, but yeah. going back to drill for disaster, though, I think this is also yeah. one of the things where you want to make sure you test your disaster recovery plans. And I yes. think sometimes in traditional infrastructure, that gets difficult. And I know that they're talking later on about consider the cloud, which is our fifth point, but it is important to be able to test and make sure that you can actually test that things will work properly or, oh, no, did I forget a data store that I was supposed to be replicating or, oh, I forgot to replicate my Active Directory server. I don't know how to recover that. And so I can't recover the rest of my environment. So just make sure it actually works. And understand that the process is in place. Yeah, that does remind me of a, of a lot of times when I would see people do tests and they always do a test of like the little tiny thing, or, <laughs> you know, they're, they're something that's not representative of a real test. And again, we're, we're going to get to the cloud in a minute, but that is the way to do a true representative disaster recovery test, right? Because you, you don't, uh, you, you can restore everything. And not have to restore it on to, you know, and screw up your production environment, right? So let's move on because we're going to cover that in a minute. So talk about prepare, prepare for different disaster levels. Um, and I talk about this a lot. Sometimes a disaster is just a single server, you know, going. Um, yeah, kaput. But sometimes a disaster is 
you know, uh, I think of, uh, was it the, which, which hurricane was it that took out all of new Orleans? Katrina. Well, was it Katrina? Yeah. Um, like you think about that and that took out basically an entire geographical area. Um, so things range from, from A to B, right. From just a single server, uh, or even a disc array or something. That's a, that's a disaster. Um, and you, you need to deal with it. And then there's massive disaster. So yes, uh, just think about the different disaster. Or even like a ransomware attack across your entire network that cripples you like Garmin just faced recently. Yes, exactly. Ransomware attacks, I think, should absolutely be treated as a disaster. Consider the cloud. Well, duh, right? Um, <laughs> I, I think at this point, you need to have, I, I think for the vast majority of companies, Disaster recovery as a service is the best way that they have of, of having a successful recovery in a disaster. And it, it, it almost doesn't matter what your recovery mechanism is, unless your recovery mechanism in, is tape. God help you if that's your DR plan. <laughs> um, I mean, because that is a, that is a, I don't have a, an analysis. I mean, I, I, again, longtime listeners know that I'm not anti tape. But one thing tape is not is instant. You can have the fastest tape drive system in the world, and it's not going to recover it as fast as what you can do with a pre-prepared, ready-to-go DR image sitting in the cloud. You just you cannot beat instant, right? Uh, or near instant, anyway. Um, you you just can't do that with tape. But you're the one who said that. Tape is super fast and everything else is tape is super fast. But my but when I'm talking about DR, the thing about using the cloud, uh, you, you can do it without the cloud. It's just much more expensive. You can have an image ready to go. You can't have an image ready to go with tape because it's random. It's it's serial access. If, if I have an image in the cloud ready to go, it's random access ready to go. I can literally in a couple of minutes have it up and running and you know, or, turn or less, on yeah. VMs, yep. right? With uh, tape, I cannot do that because it's a serial act. You got to restore first. Yes. And so it could be the fastest, like 50 billion terabytes, you know, a second. <laughs> but you're still going to have to do something. You're still going to have to do something. Yeah. So, um, so that was about the, yeah. So I think that the cloud is the way to go and that, you know, that, and, and that's not just because we work for Druva. I don't know anybody that would argue with that. Do you? No, I don't think anyone would argue with that. Other than maybe physical the, I, vendors or something. Yeah, well, I think the only time someone may argue with that is if they have an application which cannot fail over to the cloud. More because that application is not supported in the cloud. So if you're running like Solaris, right, that can't be well, DR'd into the cloud. Yeah, well, stop running Solaris. I'm, I'm just saying... If it won't work for your app, then it won't work for your app. But everything else, think about it. So the next is prioritize resilience, which I would put this as like, you know how we talk about privacy by default and by design, right? So I'd say the same thing here is resilience by default and by design. Always when designing an app, when designing a service, a system, always think about how will you uh, bring this app up in a disaster and make that part of every part of your design. And it's not even just the app itself, but even the supporting things around the app. Yes. 
Well, if it's even things from like a support perspective, you might need to also make sure that that gets DR'd in case of a disaster, right? Or if there are other tools that you need that are connected in, right? All those other pieces that people sometimes don't even understand their dependencies, which is why disaster recovery needs a uh, holistic approach, if you will, rather than looking at each application individually. Agreed. And then the article talks about evaluate security practices. It's saying it's a separate topic in itself, but it's linked with DR. And I, I uh, concur with that as, as well, partly because good security practices can help prevent <laughs> having to do a disaster. Yep. Right. Right. Oh, for sure. All right. So it talks about revise and revisit. I, I, I'm sure that you've probably seen this a ton, right? Just from your background, right? Working with customers, the revise and revisit, right? Where yeah. It's yeah. Going back and, oh, yeah, I created a DR plan. It's not that I created a DR plan and it's good for the next three years, right? It's you should go back because your environment is constantly changing, right? It's not a static environment or hopefully it's not a static environment, right? Your right, business. Right, right. So make right. sure that you are updating it as applications become obsolete, as new applic or retired, as new applications come online. Make sure that you are going and updating your plans, or as new hardware is being added too. That should be the goal of the testing that we talked about earlier, right? Is to identify any areas that you need to update, um, and um, or and, and again, up to go ahead. Yeah, or even. On t um, in addition to that, it's even when deploying your application, DR should be one of the line items in there, right? As part of the initial deployment. It's what are you doing for DR and let's agree on that strategy before you even put an application in production. Agreed. Agreed, agreed, agreed. So the last one here it, has, it talks about is build a critical response team. Uh, the, the key I want to emphasize there is the word team. The, the, the point I want to make is it should not be a DR person. It should be a DR team, a critical response team, because one of the things that can happen in a disaster is that a person is unavailable, either for good reasons or for not so good reasons. They could be sick. They could be on vacation. They could be in Tahiti. They could have just left the company. Suddenly, your DR person is no longer available. It needs to be a team. And even more than just a DR team, I would say the DR, the critical response team, should also include the application people, someone from the application team, right, who's going to have to help you yeah. when you do fail over, is everything working properly, right? So it's not just disaster recovery isn't an isolated thing, right? There's so many dependencies Agreed. and so much coordination across the organization. You want to make sure you have all the people in the right place for when a disaster actually happens, you are well coordinated. It's a coordinated response. Agreed. It also includes external contacts. Right. So um, your support contacts, make sure that make sure that all that information is up to date and that you you know what the process is. Even partners, partners as well. Yeah. Like give you have an example for that. Uh, so, for instance, if you are working with a cloud company, right, make sure that you know who you talk to on the other side in case something like if it's not a normal cloud company, but say you're using like an MSP to host your disaster recovery site. Right. Make sure you know who to talk to, that you've talked to them. You have a single point of contact, that they are aware of things going on, that they are part of the DR testing that goes on, that they are basically part of this critical response team in case things go south. Absolutely. Well, uh, thanks to uh, IT Pro for writing that article, Nine Tips to Improve Your Disaster Recovery Strategy. I think this was an insightful discussion. Um, Prasanna, thanks again for, uh, for a fun discussion. 
It's always a pleasure, Curtis. I enjoy these talks. Me too. We should do this again. Like, and again, and again. And again, and again, and again, and again, and again, and again, and again. And thanks to the listeners. Um, make sure to subscribe so that you can restore it all. There was a file, but I deleted it. Too bad your backup system isn't worth a spade. Finally, I needed your backup. You had a chance to fix it. Instead, it's all jacked up. See how I'll write on Facebook about you. Don't underestimate the things that I will do. There was a file, but I deleted it. Too bad your backup system isn't worth the space. It'll be completely done. Maybe.